Okay, welcome to episode two of The Staunch. Uh, you just got me and my co-host Ross Wade here today, so congratulations on that. Uh, no guests today. Uh, we do have some good guests coming up next week. We've got State Senator Mark Mesmer um, from Dubois County, represents a, uh, our neighboring counties over, basically. And then uh, in October, we'll have Congressman Larry Bouchon, um who's running for his like, 10th or 11th term uh, in this fall in November for the election. So those should be fun and exciting. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk about attitude, choosing your attitude. And I think both for me and Ross, we kind of chose this topic because it's very relevant in today. Today's time, not only in politics, but business and just for yourself. So we're going to dive into you know, how choosing your attitude can can kind of change your life um, and how it can help you in your everyday everyday life uh, improve yourself. So, um, you have any opening comments? Yeah, I mean, I guess to avoid this being, uh, you know, when when you talk about attitude, I, I think some people think uh, oh, it's kind of a, a foo foo science. Oh, you can change the world with your attitude, but even though there is a lot of science that backs it up, it's it's very practical it's very um it affects you physically um so i think it'd be good to just kind of give a little uh, foundation to why we chose the staunch as a name and what attitude means to be an american yeah. in general so okay yeah let's uh so i'll start from my from my side um this is something I've worked on since I probably graduated college is how do I improve myself? So I almost look at it like somebody looks at a, their uh, own personal goal. Say they have a, they're in their corporate life. You know, how do I improve this weakness every year? Right. And so for me, it was always, how do I improve my mentality? Cause you know, when I was growing up, um, I had kind of a weak mindset, uh, let things get to me, I cared about people think. So, as I got older and out of college, away from the, the party scene, um, it developed more of a, like a self-awareness. So for me, as always, year by year, what can I work on to improve myself? And, you know, it would help in my uh, business life and my marriage and all that stuff. And it's always been a, a big help uh, to, you know, culturing that type of improvement. So... So what I'll get to is, um, I would say, the end of 2021, so in November at some time, my pastor actually made one of the best sermons I've heard um, in in terms of choosing your attitude and kind of really self-motivated me to think even further on how do I choose my attitude. And his sermon was on choosing uh, anger as a choice, right? So Yes. And for me, I was like, how is that possible? Because I, you know, you probably have it too. We're both Irish, Scottish. Somewhat. Oh, man, yeah. it's My natural tendency is temper. Right. Yeah. So, and I didn't, you know, I grew up and I didn't know how to control it. And my family has high tempers that all the males in our family do. So, you only, you're a product of what you're, of your environment, right? So, but his sermon was about, you know, you make a choice, that split second, you make a choice whether to get mad or not, or you could just let it go. It doesn't mean roll over and be a pushover, but it does mean you could choose at that very moment, 
You know, if it, say it's between you and your wife to get mad and say something that you don't mean. Oh, or, yeah. Or you can choose to like, take a deep breath and then you can sit down and talk about it later, right? So that sermon just kind of changed my way of thinking. So I, I started thinking, if I can choose whether I'm angry or not in a split second, what else can I choose? And I've, my wife gets tired of me talking about this, but I <laughs> I told Ross um, off air week or two ago that if you can choose your anger you can choose when you're tired too now there's physical limitations to that uh, over time though yeah we, and, we talked about that too and and what i'm talking about is so I, my personal example is for a while after work i would i would just wake up at seven and, and go very hard until like i fell asleep which is usually midnight 1 a.m and i was like what could i do during that time because right before i'd go to bed I'd play video games for about an hour to relax myself. And that's just like a millennial way I, I developed, you know, for better or for worse. But yeah, games make you feel like you're solving problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's probably it, though. Yeah. But, you know, so to finish my point up is I started thinking, okay, what could I do instead of that? All right. And I was like, I just go to the gym because I don't have time in the morning because I spend that time with my daughter. So what am I going to do? you know, between 10 and 12, and I, I started going to the gym. So what it did is it, it kind of forced myself to kind of think, oh, you, you're tired, but, like, are you tired or are you just unmotivated at that time? So I decided to be self-motivated and you know, eventually got in routine and, you know, I've improved my, uh, improves your mental health, physical health, um, and I've been able to, like, my brain does not turn to mush between 10 and midnight anymore. I actually have, like, couple more hours in me to keep going now so yeah I think that's the biggest personal example I have of choosing attitude so how long and that's the thing like attitude choosing your own attitude is not a quick fix because when you say oh I get to choose when I'm tired and when I'm not it's kind of like saying oh I get to choose whether I'm a human or not (laughs) and so but with the right attitude, like for instance, maybe that day because you had that atti- attitude, it made you run or exercise or train 10 minutes longer. And the probability that you will train 10 minutes longer next time increases when you train 10 minutes longer this time. Right. So in a way, the attitude is steering the efforts in improvement. And what's funny is one of the first things you said, uh, backing up a little bit, when you said you were leaving the party scene and becoming more self-aware, you know, obviously there's nothing wrong with the social world or going to parties or anything like that, but, you know, the West was built on the individual, and I think we can see that pretty heavily right now. Right. Because the herd is always getting more common, and the herd is actually getting bigger because right. it's a safer place to be. And so backing up a little bit as far as attitude goes, it's important to think individually, especially now, which is an attitude in itself. Um, but then furthermore, when you said that you, you started to develop that mindset of, you know, I don't get tired, it, it's a practice because if, say your life where it is now is not where you want to be, but you want to become something else or improve, that's a destination of some sort. That's a goal. 
So if I were to say I want to become a pro whatever, you know, I want to become this thing, well, then it has to be broken down into what do people like that do? So if I were to study billionaires or, yeah, let's, let's just take wealthy people. Well, what do wealthy people do? And if you could find the common trait amongst them, you would be able to identify a certain characteristic or character. But then it's even broken down even more. I can break down characteristics, characters, into habits. But then it's even further than that. You can break down habits based on what actions you chose. Right. But then you can break it down even more past actions because you can say, okay, well, what thoughts produced these actions? Okay. Then it can be broken down even more than thoughts. You could say, okay, what attitude do I have to choose to be able to train myself how to think, to think this way? And for me right now, trust me, thinking different than the herd is good. Yes. So when I break down my thoughts and into a certain attitude that I chose, that attitude is kind of like it can't be simplified anymore. You can't break down the attitude. Because you were choosing it right. in any given circumstance. Absolutely. One of my favorite quotes is Viktor Frankl. He wrote the book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. He made it through the Holocaust. And he said that, you know, he even was grouped in a camp with a former pastor of his who he saw about halfway through his attitude just broke and he was helping the, the, uh, the people administering the camp, you know, where a guy like... Frankel just continued to write his book, and in his book there was a quote that said, and, and this is why attitude is so closely related to freedom, because if you can choose your own attitude, you're free. Right. No matter where you are. Freedom can't be taken from someone who believes they're free, because it's like that attitude of like, oh, you can't hurt me. Yeah. You know, I'm unaffected. So the quote was, the last of any human freedom is being able to choose your own attitude in any given circumstance. And we live in a world right now where it's pretty easy. You can go a thousand different directions with your attitude, but if you're living in a, in a concentration camp and, and all you, all you say is, Oh, you want to torture me? Good. <laughs> Sun's shining out there. Right. I can't wait to be done with this. You know, that attitude is powerful and it may not, that's the thing. It's not instant gratification. It's the opposite. Right. Because it's a process. Now, not only does a quote or a book like that really remind me of how important attitude is. I, I experienced with a, with a loved one uh, a few years ago. She was experiencing uh, heart attack symptoms. And it, all the symptoms lined up with a heart attack. But as soon as we found out in the hospital that she was not having a cardiac event, I was able to sort of talk to her and kind of get inside, you know, her mindset. Right. And it was pure fear. She believed she was dying. And that's... But belief, you can't break down a belief either. It's sort of at the same level 
with attitude. It's like the most simplified steering wheel or catalyst that you have to choose your destination. Well, believing she was dying was producing real physical symptoms. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? You're right. You are dying. I'm dying. And that's an attitude. Yeah. And it's true. That's the thing, though. So you're dying right now. I'm dying right now. And that's an attitude. But also, if I say I'm alive, I'm living right now, that's an attitude as well. And it's also true. So I guess what I'm saying is even if a negative attitude, a bad attitude, a sick attitude can actually change you physically to have symptoms similar to a heart attack, well, then how do you not believe that attitude can change your entire life and change? And if you, cha- if you get really good at changing your life and other people around you get really good at changing theirs, if enough lives change, you can change the world. 100%. So attitude is not a quick fix, but it is how you change where you end up and what you become. You know, yeah, 100%. So I think that's what, you know, Jacob and I are really focusing on right now because you see it definitely on social media. I see it in the media in general. I see it in the world. I see it when people, I react with people throughout the day. And I just said the word react, and that's probably the perfect, that's probably the perfect word to describe what I'm saying because anger is a feeling, right? But mm-hmm. the way you react to it is your choice. And, the social media world that we live in has just trained us to become more reactive all the time. Right. And you can break those chains and you don't have to play that game. You can opt out of that game and be an individual and choose your own attitude. And so that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to educate younger people on how to change the world. It's not, it's not this, it's not this uh, mentality that you got to go out and do something really big fast because that's why people feel so helpless. Right. I do believe that gun violence is a symptom of people feeling insignificant, like they can't change the world. They don't have the power to do so. They're powerless. Well, if you can choose your own attitude, you have power. Because the quickest way to power is grabbing a gun and putting it to somebody's head or taking it to a riot and shooting. All of a sudden, you're very important. And I think there's a lot of younger people out there that are just dying to change the world, but they just don't know how to do it. And it all starts with mindset. Right. And for me, also, talk about people that listen, listen to this podcast. Um, well, how do I choose my attitude? Maybe they're asking themselves that. For me, the confidence that I've developed over time, because um, my younger self was not confident at all, comes from God, comes from my faith, right? You have that backbone. I feel like you can do anything you want to do. Right. So you, you pray. For, I mean, I started out praying for that mindset, like how lead me to a point where I can self-motivate. You know, you know, you might self-motivate in sports when you're a kid. Right. But how do I bring that to like real life when, you know, we went through COVID. Right. You know, how do, how do we all come out of that with a healthy mind? Right. And for me, you know, since, especially since I graduated college, but it's kind of been a lifelong journey. Is I've always had that backbone of my faith where I, I'm not really afraid of anything because I know where I'm going, right? I know where I'm going after I'm not here, and I, I don't want to leave prematurely or anything like that. It's just I, I'm not afraid of what could happen for me or my family just because you know, 
I say that with, you know, making sound choices and um, appropriate decisions in life not to get yourself in bad situations. But at the same time, that fear in, hasn't left me. And I bring up COVID because I've watched people around me that are close to me really affect their mental health in terms of they were so afraid to do this, so afraid to do that, so afraid to go outside. Um, they were pointing their finger at people to wear a mask. Or, oh, you should get yeah. vaccinated. All this stuff because they're afraid. And, I, you know, it's not because I'm a conservative. I just stood back and I was like, why are you guys worried about? At the end of the day, for me, and this is much my opinion. If you're, you know, put yourself in good situations where you don't get sick immediately and, and you're at a high risk. But at the same time, I don't, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I, I don't have that fear. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to happen anyways. It's, it's, it's my, my opinion. Um, and so to take that into the, and this applies to politics and business too, is um, you saw, we talked about social media. You saw a lot of people doing the freak out thing, have all the fear during COVID and even now. Then you saw a lot of free thinkers awaken, right? I don't know if it was they've always thought that way and they felt like it's time to step up and just kind of say what I feel or if it was politicians like Trump that was kind of taking the the veil off the the deep state and kind of letting us know like what's going on behind the scenes and for better or for worse, it I think it really woke people up and so when we talk about choose your attitude, you know, I respect so many people no matter what side of the aisle they sit on. Why should I get vaccinated? What's in the vaccine? People are like, just take it. Like, no, like, I actually respect that person, whether it's right or wrong, to sit there and be like, well, why would I take it? Like, I'm not sick. Why would I wear a mask? I'm not sick, you know. So, and from the on the business side, you know, choosing your attitude could make or break you. I mean, I've heard so many stories. Um, I listen to uh, Patrick Bet David a lot, um, his podcast, PBD podcast. Um, you know, he talks about how he was, he had built this half million dollar business. And at some point he had lost so bad at that time where he was down to his last $13, $13,000. And he had all these salaries to pay and he didn't know what to do. So what did he do? Did he quit? No, nope. no, not at all. He chose his attitude in that time, and now, you know, he's multi-millionaire, um, one of the most successful po- top business podcasts in the, in the world, um, big real estate mogul. So you know, I, I just, you know, not to go off on a tangent here, but there's just so many aspects of your life that when you choose your attitude and you make it a point to move forward and progress forward and not have that fear with whatever – Whatever your fear is, I know everyone's not religious, but for me, my religious backing of having God and Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior has always been my backbone of like, I I feel like I can take on the world just because I know they have my back, right? And I think even at your lowest point, if everyone leaves around you, you still have Jesus Christ as your your backbone to kind of spring forward and, and change those relationships within your own life. I am so glad you brought up faith because I meant to bring that up first. And whenever I was saying the part about how thoughts can be broken down, but attitude can't thoughts can be broken down, but faith really can't either you do or you don't. 
Uh, it's kind of on the belief level. So whenever I'm talking about attitude, I'm kind of talking about this realm of being that's also on the same attitude with belief and attitude, belief, attitude, and faith. You know, it's like the faith of a mustard seed, right? Well, it's like, what does a seed do? It grows into things you, you know, it's the right. beginning, right? right? So how do we get people, and, and I see it everywhere, not just on the Democratic side, the, the conservative side or not just on the left the right the church the state whatever but we see all types of people that are just kind of throwing up their hands like well this is just the way it is right destiny is just gonna happen and in a way yes there ever since the beginning of time there's a great great string of cause and effect right so this thing causes that effect but you control your own causes you know yeah, and that's a choice, and and when you were mentioning um, the podcaster who had almost lost everything, I was there. I I did that, and I know that it was a choice to not roll over, and it, and it was a it was a tough battle. But whenever I say that I chose the attitude to take it on, it led me to a certain way of thinking. It led me to certain ritual of actions that I did every day. It became my habit, and I could change where I ended up. You know, it's 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 the same as, um, <clears throat> you know, having the faith. You know, like when you hear people say, well, I have faith in you, right? Or it's like, I have faith this thing is going to happen. It's kind of like, to me, not just wishful thinking. It's, okay, so if you do believe that that's going to happen, what are you going to do? It's a combination of things. We don't just throw up our hands and say, oh, every 80 years there's a major war. Right. <laughs> it's a pattern. It has to happen. No. it Maybe it does, and God does say that he's going to make things happen over and over again. Yeah. But it does, you, can, you can change the outcome of, of even your household, your city. And if you could do that, maybe you could change the outcome of your state. And if you could change the outcome of your statement, who knows, you know, what, but the, the two most common attitudes that I see amongst the masses, the, the herd, if you will, humans are very gregarious. You know, they, they tend to go in packs and, you know, you see one Buffalo freak out and run off the cliff. <laughs> we yeah. saw that happen during 2020. Yeah. Well, it's like, how do you stand outside that herd and observe that behavior and say, well, I'm going to choose like kind of like my own way here. You know, I'm not just going to go, oh, he's running, I'm running too, man. I'm going, I'm, I'm out of here. So it's like really important that you bring up faith first. Right. Because what do people who believe in Jesus Christ do? Or how do they act? How do they think? There's a commonality amongst that group. And... I'm starting to see a drift even in even in that group along with the rest of the world where and, and yes, I'm all about tangents, but follow me for a minute. Back when the Gutenberg press was invented, whatever book was recently written got mass printed. First time in the history, anything like that. It's where one idea could be printed so many times. Yeah. That idea could spread around the world way faster than hammer and stone symbols or handwriting letters, whatever. 
Well, then let's compare that now to the share button on social media. How fast an idea can get around the world. Well, we know that negative news and fear sell way more than, than truth. And I hate saying positivity because whenever I say you can choose your own attitude, I'm not this fluffy rainbows and all good attitude, all positive all the time. That's not what that means. Right. So I guess now what I'm saying is we are being trained to be reactive. We're being trained to share whether it's true or not, because it's really easy. I mean, even when the Gutenberg press came out, it it was a little bit harder to just hit the share button. You'd have to get that thing, you know, whatever you do to get that thing going. (laughs) Uh, So I guess what I'm saying is we're being trained now to look at the negative, to point out the criticisms. And, and when you're doing that, you're not being useful. There's really no value being added. Right. It's like somebody pulls out in front of me at a stop sign. And I honk and I flip them off and I yell at them. Well, it's like, man, all that energy I just gave that person. And I'm just going to drive forward anyway. Right. You know, I just wasted my time. So I guess what I'm saying is to change the world, if you look internally and you look inside yourself and you say, oh, what about me? What, how do I, how do I change right. to change the world? Instead of this attitude of, I see it everywhere. There's something wrong with them. Yep. There's something wrong with the world. Well, in a crisis, I'm not looking for help from people who are good at finding out how much wrong there is in the world because there's so many of those people. Right. The world is not short of critics. The world is short of problem solvers. And to, to break down a problem and solve a problem, it all starts with a mindset to say, I want to be useful. You know, so... Having the faith to say, you know, I still believe that this this world can be good and is going to be good all starts with that small seed of choice. You know, how you're going to live your life. What are you going to do in the morning? What actions are you going to take? What are you going to do every day? Right. And it's teachable. The reason that I believe the staunch has the power to change the lives of people here locally and even more is because it's a process i see it all the time people say well i'm going to choose to be fit well the reason i say that attitude is not a quick fix is because okay choose to be fit go out tomorrow and be fit focus less on your results and focus more on your trajectory whereas okay not just what do fit people do i'm going to do that tomorrow what do fit people do and are you going to do that every day, even if you don't see the results? Because the results are in the process, and the process is really slow. Like if you and I were looking at a map, and you said, "I want to be in this city called Heaven." What, what if there? What if? Yeah, what if there was? <laughs> well, we would map that out, and it would take some time. Yeah, it would take some time to change who you are at the core level. So, so glad you brought up faith because that was one of the driving motivators when we first started talking about starting this right organization so yeah and and that's not to say that like we're perfect like no one's perfect i i mess up all the time but it's you know how you deal with either that mess up or that failure and how you come back from it and you know i actually encourage people to fail like i don't like actually try to fail but like like do whatever you want to do like however many times and fail like fail and go till you hit failure 
and then come back and either bust through that wall that you hit or sidestep it and find a different path that originated from that initial wall or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, can I, can I say one thing? Yeah. Failure, fear of failure causes anxiety. When yeah. you were, when you were talking earlier about fear and, and 2020 and COVID, I see this all the time too. Fear is everywhere. And the opposite of fear, uh, and I don't know if a lot of people, and when you say nobody's perfect, please say that for me, definitely, because <laughs> I'm sorting through a bunch of messes right now. But if if somebody blames me or holds me at fault for a mess or, you know, I hold myself at fault for a mess, I shift my attention off of who's at fault and I just say, okay, here's the problem. What's the best I can do? How can I be useful right now? You know, and just never play that blame game. But even even more than that, what you were saying earlier about fear, the opposite of fear is hope. And when when someone's fearful instead of hopeful, it's not motivating. Right. You're not going to work that process because you know the whole purpose of Jesus Christ for me is the idea of that there is hope for me. And if you lose hope, you're you're probably not going to take action. You're probably going to just have a negative attitude about how how bad life's gone so far. And it kind of makes you throw up your arms like, oh, destiny's destiny. It's just going to happen. I, I have no effect on it. But have opposite idea as hope, or to have the opposite idea as fear is to be hopeful of the future. The future is good. You know, the future is good. It's that idea. So um, I know whenever I start talking history and I start talking wars, and <laughs> I, I have the ability to make people fear, fearful, fear, feel fearful but that's not what it's about it's it's about awareness you know yeah I, I think to add to that that fear from what you're um, referring to comes from well it gives them anxiety and anxiety usually comes from the inability to act or like they feel like they cannot they don't have the ability to act so what I'm going to relate that back True. to is um, from the on a political perspective you know I've, i hear many people talk all the time of we can't do anything about it why should i even go vote i can't do anything about it why should i i'm not going to help you join that parade and and represent this candidate why it doesn't matter anyways i can't do anything at, at this level i was like what do you mean the all the campaigns especially congressional campaigns um senator, senatorial campaigns are based on a grassroots campaign mechanism, right? Like it starts with your GOP chairman, the constituents in your county. And, you know, if you took a congressional district, like we're in the eighth district here in Indiana, um, each county is very important. Each county's um, GOP chair is very important. Each county's precinct committee men are very important to building that base of what you stand for within your county, within your part of the state. And a whole district of people in that scenario can really affect, um, like if the whole 8th district said, um, I'm, I want to get 
all, there are no zoning laws, right? Like if we all came together and said no zoning laws in Southern Indiana, right? Yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> and Ross would say awesome because he's a, <laughs> a developer. But well, I'm not going to say no zoning laws, but yeah, I'm just get, put like, a leash on those guys a little bit. Yeah. Just a simple example, right? That matters, right? Even if it's written in law that oh, like by the state, for example, and it's not this way, but to keep it simple, that you have to have this law in place. And the whole eighth district said no, we don't want that at all. That matters because what does that mean? That means people like Shane Lindauer, uh, Mark Mesmer, uh, even Larry Bashan, they can take that and say, look, my constituents do not like want this law. They don't, or they do want this law, whatever it is. And so that, that does affect change. And so people are going to tell me, well, that doesn't uh, affect how, you know, what the Biden administration is doing. But it does. If you have the attitude, if mm-hmm. if the amount of people that come to me and say I can't do anything about it, I'm not going to go vote, or I'm not going to do anything, I can't do anything about it, I'll vote, but like I, I'm just going to sit at home and be afraid, and and hope that someone comes along and, and does let it happen, right? Yeah. It's going to happen anyway. Gonna so what am I going to am I going to do? But that's not true, and we talk about this all the time. It starts with choosing your attitude, but like one person can change the world. A whole army of just people from southern indiana or western kentucky or wherever wherever region you are in can impact the entire not only the united states but the entire world but it starts with your attitude mm-hmm. um and then you take it from a business perspective too um you know i i like when there's fear and so you know for people listening you know my i say my expertise with business is more stock related and, and ross's um, very close to the real estate development side. But, you know, when those, I see a bunch of red candles in the market, I'm liking that, right? Especially if it's on one of my favorite stocks. And I'm like, you know, you have to time it right, of course, from a technical perspective, but I'm buying, right? As soon as people are panic selling, I'm buying because there's no reason for it. You'll, you'll look back, there'll be a stock sometime that'll, why did it drop? Oh, they said that guidance could be, lower by the end of the year and they release their earnings and it's you know they they beat on their earnings right so and i just profit off that because i bought your fear so mm-hmm. and that's just you know housing market too people panic sell has not even started and that will come you know you buy all the way through that and it may take two three four years but you're going to profit heavily off that fear just because you had the fundamental and the technical background to understand like how things work, but you also had an attitude of like you've developed this routine of like fear for the masses means confidence for me or whatever it may be. True. Yeah. I think Warren Buffett and I try to stay away away from the word greed. Mm -hmm. It scares me. I've seen a lot of deals just be stopped and don't go through because of greed. There's a big difference between, an abundant mindset and greed, you know, abundant mindset is, Hey, I want everybody to win and we can win big. Greed says, I just want to win at your expense. And I think Warren Buffett said something like be fearful when other people are greedy and then bet your life when the masses are, you know, are fearful. And, um, you know, it's, it's worked for him. So it sounds like that you understand that really well. And, and, you know, we've talked about a lot of, a lot of that in the past and, you know, I've kind of, 
uh, lending ear to Jacob as as far as understanding the economy on that on that surface. But is is the economy? Does it, if this doesn't back up our points? There's evidence in the world that this philosophy that we have about attitude is real and right because is I mean just like that is the economy not just a study of macro behavioralism? <laughs> it's just understanding what the herd's going to do or what they're doing right now and making bets on it. If that doesn't show you how predictable human behavior is, you know what does? You know it. There's there's a basically a formula right that's yeah. showing you on a graph on how they're behaving. So, so real quick, part of it briefly here, and there's a I think his name's Harvey Dent, but don't quote me on that. Um, there's a guy that studies demographics of Harvey Dent was Two Face. Yeah, I know that's why I said don't quote me on that. His <laughs> name's Harvey something. No, I'm teasing, but yeah, that's true. Harvey Dent, Two Face, <laughs> I think on Batman. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're right. But that's cool. It's cool. Um, but he studies demographics of consumer spending. So back in I think it was the 70s or maybe it was early 80s. You know, he called out that there would be a market crash, housing market crash, um, stock crash in 2008. And I think people in that in that community of the, you know, Wall Street, whatever, probably thought what in the world. But he just studied demographics of, of baby boomers when their spending would likely come to a halt when the next generation, when they would start spending. And so... To that point, I mean, he was able to predict 30 years out based on people's uh, consumer habits and behaviors. And that relates back to your, your macro behavioralism. Yes. Right. So, yeah. And even further than that, it's like, even if you disregard that information and you look at it just from an individual standpoint, when we're talking about, being fearful and things like that. If you're if you're trying to get out of a slump of fear, you know, looking towards the future as it being good and choosing your own attitudes doesn't mean that in you snap your fingers and choose your own attitude and you won. It's it's the idea that one percent better is all you gotta do every day. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So no matter what the herd's doing, no matter what macro behavioralism says, even if you don't know anything, which of course would be better because ignorance is bliss for most people, but it's just that steady 1% better every day. And that takes discipline. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, one thing that's helped me, whether it's the gym or something I'm working on that I'm like, you know, like we said earlier, not getting results fast enough like that I want to is just go do it one more day. Mm-hmm. And after you do that, go do that one more day more day one more day if you take it like that then before you know it you've done it for six months straight well you know what i love about it because i see this all the time people who are really bold confident and have no doubt you know they don't doubt themselves as much they they get really far in life whether they're intelligent or not Mm -hmm. and i think i think part of that is is uh it, it is an attitude for sure but like Not doubting yourself leads you to take an action to become something, right? So when I'm trying to become something, when I was six years old and I was and I was practicing free throws in my backyard, I was faking that I was a good free throw shooter. So I was a fake. So like 
when I say it's the process that turns you into your destiny and your character, you're actually just, everybody's just faking it. We're all imposters. Right. And practicing is actually just doing something so poorly so many times that you actually just get good at it. So it's almost like fake it until you make it. That's sort of a cheesy saying. But that's an attitude thing. I, I, was, I was watching a TED Talk about a psychologist who would train people out of low self-esteem. And I'm not, I'm not real big. I don't, I don't think the self-esteem movement was really that impactful. But I guess what I'm saying is she was trying to build you know, confidence in somebody. And what she had that person do was power pose in front of a mirror for two minutes every morning to stand up ri- upright with their posture, stand up straight with their shoulders back, Jordan Peterson, <laughs> uh, for two minutes every day. And, and the title of the talk was Fake It Until You Make It. And it made so much sense to me. And, and how many times do you see a young guy or gal, guy or gal out there just, just killing it with no doubt, just committing first, not being afraid to commit to something? And figuring it out as you go. They always get a lot of criticism. There's always there's always sort of a backlash, you know, uh, that comes when that person becomes a little bit successful. But they don't care. They just, the idea of faking something until you become that thing is, you know, it's almost like we see now that the master-apprentice relationship in the work industry was way more effective than sending people to college because they're not doing it yet. They're just learning the theory of it. Now I know some fields they're doing it Mm -hmm. and, and don't get me wrong. College degree is not a bad thing at all. It's good. Uh, But I think we see now that the master apprentice relationship worked so much better because the apprentice just started doing it. And they were kind of they were they were obviously bad at it in the beginning, but then just over time, you just it's worth if it's worth doing well, it's worth doing poorly, you know. So, I guess what I'm saying is, first of all, for sure, you said this earlier. Me or Jacob, neither of us are perfect. I'm no. definitely not. <laughs> Lots of mistakes, but that's part of it. Yeah, because the best way to find out if something's viable or not is by doing it. Just go do it. And fail. And fail really hard. Like, fail so hard that you end up further along than you were anyway. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And and right now we have a bunch of tire kickers in the market. And we got a bunch of naysayers. Well, it's really easy to be a naysayer, to be someone that's a uh, critic. uh, Because if you're right, well, then you didn't have to, to criticize somebody based on them trying and having no doubts, you didn't have to spend that much effort to criticize. And matter of fact, you were a part of like a group. Right. So it's really easy to criticize when you're a part of a group because, you know, if you're criticizing like one person and you're amongst 200, well then who do you blame and, you know, power to the people, right? But, you know, it, it's like, it's, it's so easy to play that card in today's world versus be the one that's like, okay, I don't want to be a part of that group. I just want to be, be go be the one that's trying to solve the problem. And I don't care if, if I fail or not. Right. Like right now, I mean, at the end of 2022, the United States is projected to be short 5 million new homes. 
Why is that? Large generations of people hitting the home buyer's market, obviously, supply and demand. But also, there's been a long tick in certain areas of uh, the U.S. that have made development progress pretty slow because infrastructure costs are so high. Cities, mm-hmm. cities seem to grow out first, and then they reach a limit where the infrastructure can't be brought out at funds at the state from the state's expense. So cities start to grow up by changing properties to be more dense. And so, like, I'm just using this as an example. One of the one of those things I'm trying to solve is a problem amongst the masses. Yes, the cost of construction is really high. The uh, cost of land is only going to get higher. Therefore, the costs of living in a home are never going to stay the same. But isn't that a problem amongst the masses? And and if it is, how do you solve that problem? You know, we're going to have to think outside the box or, you know, make developments more dense or, you know, find ways around some of the codes and laws that require things to be overly built or whatever. But And, and I know this is a tangent, but that's just one of the problems. That's That's one of the thousands of problems that we're facing in America right now. And angry, bitter people mad at the system will only make that problem worse versus individuals, which the West was built on rugged individuals. If we had more individuals in the country that were makers and problem solvers, and we don't, the majority are takers and critics, Yeah, we would be in a much better position economically, spiritually, everything, because when you have more individuals that have the capability to help others, it's a better place. But over time... And this is another tangent over time. Democracies learn that you can vote yourself free stuff, and then eventually the politicians can't uphold their promises, and democracies fall apart for that reason. So I think I just hit you guys with a whirlwind of about three tangents in one rant. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back me up a little bit, Jake. <laughs> yeah. So, a good example of what you just talked about was instead of being bitter and angry, Talk to the uh, the people got mad about Trump not paying taxes, right? That was a big hoopla. And on the surface, I can see where if you just want to take everything for uh, what's on the surface that, oh, I mean, why he makes billions of dollars. Why wouldn't he pay taxes? Instead of being angry and mad and be like, why does he not do that? I don't know. Let's, I'll go read something about it. Oh, well... Real estate, like the government will actually pay you tax incentives to invest and grow things. Oh, okay. Well, that must be what he's doing. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's investing in real estate or, or whatever. Um, they give corporations uh, tax incentives to um, invest in up and co- like starter companies, right? That That's tax-free money. Um, you know, people here locally do it all the time. You know, that 1031 money you get from, uh, your capital gain sale on a, a, a real estate development or a home or what, not necessarily a home, but, um, like a duplex, whatever it is, Yeah. you are incentivized to take that money. And what most people will do is upgrade to more units and you're not taxed. So that's how you pay zero taxes. So in, 
what I did instead of getting you defer them. Yes, you, you're going to pay them one day eventually. Unless you die, I mean, eventually. Then, then maybe your kids will pay. Them. I don't know. It, eventually, but what it took for me to learn that was just ask myself questions, ask questions, read. Um, you know, I know a lot of people ask uh, questions is great. Yes, a lot of people our generation uh, prefer videos, but go like study people that are familiar with that and. You know, I, I started with um, with Grant Cardone. I then I went to Robert Kiyosaki. Great, great I've insights. Read several Dave Ramsey books. Um, now I'm at Patrick Bet David, and so you you analyze all these guys and you just kind of put them in your own mindset and what works for you. And it's a a very very powerful knowledge to have. But my point is that I chose to invest in my financial education, um, other things I educated myself on. Instead of just getting mad, I chose to have an attitude of, okay, like I'm going to learn, like, how do you do that? I'd like to pay no taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, and we'll say this for another episode, is that the government actually doesn't want you to know that. That's why I know everyone's like, if that was so easy, then why doesn't everybody do it? Because they don't want you to know that. That's not a curriculum in high school. Right. (laughs) The information's out there. But they want you to think like with the masses of like, oh, the billionaires should pay all the taxes and the little guys should not. And that's doesn't necessarily make sense if you understood how our financial system is set up. So I'll I'll leave I'll close this and I'll I'll leave uh, um, the audience with um, like where do, where do we start right? And so my suggestion is just to start reading, watch videos. And so Ross, if you could. Start with what your if you had to start off people with uh, choosing your attitude or um, investing in their education. Um, what should what book should they be reading? That that's a very easy, very first answer is very easy for me, and I highly recommend a book called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, James was a former baseball player with a with a traumatic injury at a young age and discovered the power of habits now uh if you're paying attention to our whole attitude theme why why is habits why are habits so important is because they're about middle way through that process like i guess it's easy to adjust your attitude but it's hard to adjust your habits because we're habit forming creatures so you have to go back all the way to the most fundamental part of it and it's like okay what do you believe about yourself you know what is your identity and if I point people to the book of James Clear and Atomic Habits as far as understanding the process, that's a good resource. But the Bible and understanding your identity through God is probably the most important uh, phase of understanding to adjust the attitude and belief about who you are. How do people like you behave, you know, so that you can break it down and adjust those habits. Um, but yeah, um, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Go out. Go out and get that one percent better every day because all of a sudden the results are going to compound. Like for instance, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any graphic displays here to show you. But if you were to Google an exponential curve right now, audience, if you were to Google an exponential curve, y equals x squared you would see that it approaches an asymptote 
So, so the X value increases, or so the Y value inc- increases very slowly. But when it does, it almost turns into a straight line. That's how compound interest works. But compound interest only works. So changing your habits and compounding them only work if you're doing the 1% every day. I see so many people, and this is obvious, you see so many people that say, I am going to be fit this year. I am going to do this. I am going to change. And if you see the exponential curve, it's like when you start and then you stop and then you choose to start again. It's like quitting right before the good part comes. Right. You know, so changing your attitude, hoping to solve the problems of our current world are going to take consistency and persistency like you've never experienced. It's why is something so gentle like water? Why does it cut through a mountain? It cuts through a mountain because of its consistency and its persistency, not because of the strength. So find find a path, find a purpose, find who you want to become. We are human we are human beings, not human doings. Find who you want to become, find where you want to be. Stay on that path. 1% better every day. Even if you fail, just say, "You know what? I'm going to fail so much that it it doesn't matter. This is what I'm going to do every day." Right. So Yeah, I couldn't say that better. So, we'll We'll close on that. Um, thank you guys for tuning in to episode two of the staunch and uh, please tune in next week. Uh, we'll have state Senator Mark Mesmer. Thank you.